Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard us talk about it for years, and now you can get 20% off with code DNVR plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Go tame that Wildcat offense using the best tools for the job at manscaped.com using code DNVR for free shipping, 20% off. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in CBD and CBG. It's going to have you feeling fantastic without those coffee jitters you get if you happen to want three or four cups of coffee a day, which my style. Their CBD-infused coffee helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, even more than that. Now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we sit down with Spencer Smith, one of the two golf bros at Big Drive Energy. Love their podcast, love what they do on social media. The two brothers, Spencer and Mitchell Smith. We kind of get a state of the Rockies, find out about what the super fans like Spence, think about how Colorado's doing, especially when compared to the other teams in town, what they need to do, and really what's the best in-game or baseball experience. What do you do before you go to Coors Field? What do you do before you get your tickets? What is the typical rituals of a guy like Spence? So I really enjoyed this conversation that we had. The news of the weekend was, of course, Friday was the final day for adding players to the 40-man roster ahead of the December 8 Rule 5 draft. Now, of course, if there is a work stoppage that begins on December 2nd, well, there won't be a Rule 5 draft, at least on December 8th. Nevertheless, Rockies went ahead and protected three players, left-handed pitcher Ryan Rollison, who we knew was a lock, 20-year-old shortstop Ezekiel Tovar, also a lock, and then one of the second-tier players, that seemed like they had a good shot of making the 40-man roster. Right-handed pitcher Noah Davis, he being the one you might know the least about. He was acquired from Cincinnati in the Michael Givens trade this summer. It was also the deal where the Rockies reacquired their fourth-round pick from last year, Case Williams, kid from down in Castle Rock. So they, they brought over those two pitchers in exchange for Michael Givens. Nice little swap, first trade and only trade so far by new GM Bill Schmidt had a 3.60 ERA in six starts with high A Spokane after being acquired by acquired by the Rockies. Was originally an 11th round selection in 2018 
out of the University of California, Santa Barbara. Go banana slugs. And because of the pandemic-shortened season in 2020, or really the lack of minor league season in 2020 for all minor leaguers, he only has 142 innings under his belt as a professional. But with a 3.86 ERA, you do like the numbers right there off the bat. Ryan Rollison, the name that you've been hearing about for a few years since he went 22nd overall in the 2018 MLB draft out of the University of Mississippi, had a real up and down 2021, mostly because of injuries. He had an appendectomy. He also got hit with a line drive after recovering from that. So really didn't get much traction, really didn't get too many innings this season. In Albuquerque, he did have a 5.91 ERA, which I'm very much okay with. In Albuquerque, that is a tough ballpark to pitch at. It's one of the reasons why, frankly, the Rockies like being associated with the isotopes because it challenges their pitchers to do well and to be better. And frankly, if your ERA is not great, well, you know you've got some things to work on. And you know that there's going to be some adversity in this game, especially if you want to have a long career. So I don't mind the 5.91 ERA in his 45-plus innings pitched. He had some starts here and there all around the system, really just rehab starts. But he's got 231 innings under his belt since 2018 as well and 50 minor league career starts. But the big addition, the big name you do need to start learning more about is one of the youngest players who's down in the Arizona Fall League. Talked with everybody on the team about the play of Ezekiel Tovar. Defense is what he's going to be known best for. And I think the bat is going to really start to develop. As I said, he's a 20-year-old kid who was signed in 2017 as a 16-year-old kid out of Venezuela. Spent some time in low A Fresno and high A Spokane. Overall, ended up hitting a career high in doubles, 30, 15 home runs, 72 RBI. Also stole 24 bases. So those are really solid numbers for a guy who was playing against much older talent. Everywhere he's gone, he's played at older talent. Even his first taste of professional baseball, he was playing against much older and much more skilled talent because one interesting story uh, that you might find that won't really happen again because, unfortunately, there isn't any more minor league baseball in Colorado. There's professional independent league baseball, but not minor league baseball as we know it typically or as we have known it in the Pioneer League with Grand Junction Rockies and more recently the Rocky Mountain Vibes down in Colorado Springs. But in this his 2019 season, he was only 17 years old. And according to some of these states' work laws, he couldn't actually he couldn't actually play with Grand Junction until he turned 18. So he started the year in short season Boise against more experienced players, against guys who were Division I type players. I mean, go back and look. Michael Tolia, Aaron Schunk, guys like that who came from big powerhouse Division I schools, that's where they started out. Not Grand Junction, but Boise. And so he had to wait until August 1st, to which at that point he went to play at Grand Junction. So he's he's always had to play up. Even in the Arizona Fall League, he was one of the youngest players. I think he was maybe the fourth youngest player overall, with the average age being close to about 23 years old. And he's only 20. So he was close to four years. He was actually close to four years younger than the average aged player in the AFL. So he's been battling his entire career. And the numbers have been looking really good 
and I'm excited. I enjoyed watching him play down in the Arizona Fall League a couple weeks back. It was fantastic. And some of the players that weren't added that you know pretty well. Actually, let me let me start by saying here's who was added early. Ryan Feltner and Ryan Vallee. Those are two guys that needed to be added to the 40-man roster in order to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. And one of the things that GM Bill Schmidt did a little bit differently than his predecessor, first off, he promoted Ryan Feltner straight from AA. We have not seen that in a very, very long time. I think maybe Eddie Butler may have been the last guy who was promoted from AA to the majors. And so you knew he was going to be added to the 40 man in November, but they said, well, you know what? Let's add him a little bit earlier. Let's get him some big league experience. Love that move. Same thing with Ryan Valade. Didn't get too many at bats, but showed him a couple things to work on. He was working on those things in the Arizona fall league, talked about what he learned in that experience. And sometimes that's what guys need is, to see what the big leagues are like, see that those curveballs are a little bit crisper, see that those fastballs can be dotted a little bit better. And so you need to be a little bit better as well. So those are some of the early additions really that, that occurred in September, but who wasn't added first on my list was Willie McIver. Very surprised, great receiving catcher. You know, that has a long way to go, but he's a guy that I could see somebody maybe reaching for. Now, I, I think his upside might not be as high as as some of the other catchers we've seen in the past. Because for in order to draft a player in the Rule 5, in order to keep him, I should say, he needs to be on your 26-man roster for the entirety of the season. You might be able to hide that player for a little while on the 60-day IL, but they need to accrue so many days of service before it's not really considered a full season of play on the 26-man roster. So McIver could potentially be one of those candidates because of what he's shown defensively. The Rockies are going to take a chance and say, hey, you know what? We don't think that's going to happen. And look, this happens every year where there's one or two guys who are not on the list, who don't make the 40-man, and you go, oh, it would really be a shame if that guy got poached. And it typically doesn't happen. Typically doesn't happen with Rockies guys, so they're crossing their fingers and hoping the same is true. Mitchell Kilkenny. Uh, a high round pick from a few years back. Reagan Todd was really the big one. He's a left-hander that I think could provide some good innings next year out of the Rockies bullpen, so long as he's not poached. Infielder Coco Montes had 37 doubles down in the Easter League, seven more than the second-place runner-up. So that kind of power, that ability to to notch extra bases is not going to be overlooked by somebody out there, perhaps. Eddie Diaz who was a player that had a lot of buzz about him in Grand Junction just a couple years ago. Hasn't really come to fruition for him. Jamison Hanna, who really impressed with a couple good defensive plays in spring training, but his bat was a little disappointing. On the flip side of that, infielder Taylor Snyder, a little bit older, 27 years old, but had a lot of pop hit home runs in an Eastern League that you typically don't see players hitting home runs. Left-handed reliever Nick Bush, right-handed reliever Jake Bird, who looked really impressive down in the Arizona Fall League, had an extensive conversation with him about some of the things going on with his development over the years. And, of course, Logan Cozart, a guy who's, again, a little bit older, but had a 3.68 ERA in the Ice Topes bullpen. That's pretty impressive for a league 
who if you can have an ERA around five, you're doing something right. So for him to be near three and a half, really impressive. Right now, the Rockies 40-man sits at about 39 players. So that does allow them to possibly pick somebody up in the Rule 5 draft when that comes around or sign players, whatever it is. Usually there's some fat you can always cut from the 40-man roster. Take a look. There could be some players who you've never seen suit up for the Rockies before but are on the 40-man roster. That could be a good indicator that those are possibly some players you either designate for assignment or really you can just option them off the 40-man which I think is a more likely move for some of those players right now. A couple of interesting names on 40-man rosters that were designated for assignment and are now free agents. Tyler Wade, infielder with the Yankees. Again, nobody with major upside, but these are just a couple of names that I know the Rockies may kick the tires on. Left-handed reliever Alex Young uh, was one of, I think, six guys let go from Cleveland, the Guardians, as they are officially known now. You might remember him from his days in Arizona in 2019 and 2020. Jay Jackson, who was pretty good for the Giants last year. Jay Jackson, I could see being almost a Tyler Kinley-type signing, that when that move was made back in the 2019-20 offseason, it was, yeah, okay, hey, this guy put up some decent numbers, and you know we've seen him be pretty effective in Colorado, so it would be interesting to see Jay Jackson in purple. And the catcher, first base, third base, meme generator that he is, Williams Astadio, I think he could be pretty interesting. The most interesting story would be Zach Rex, formerly of the Dodgers. He was let go by L.A. He was a 10th round pick in 2017, drafted at the University of Kentucky where he was a walk-on. But he did spend a season with Air Force, so you've got a Colorado connection there. And, of course, the player with the most upside that, well, he's not controversial, but look, he's a former Yankee. He's a former big-time Yankee prospect that really didn't excel the way they certainly had hoped. I don't know if they really gave him enough opportunities, but nevertheless, Clint Frazier has got the most upside. He can be somewhat of a defensive liability, but the kid can rake, I think, if he gets a chance. And he's healthy. He could be the kind of upside that C.J. Crone was for the Rockies last year. He might be closer to 20 home runs than 30 home runs like Crone because he, he doesn't have the same pedigree as C.J. Crone did. But you go back and look at what he did in 2020, and the kid was really solid. And you say, well, if he's got the potential to do it for even a short amount of time, there's a chance that over the long haul you might be able to catch that lightning in a bottle and really set it free and allow it to help your organization for the long haul. We've got some new information about Ball and their manufacturing plant in Golden. It's that they're looking for production technicians. You can actually read the full description online and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching for the word Golden. Now, this position is on the front line of aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plant in Golden. It offers a competitive $27 plus per hour with potentials for increase at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It includes comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire, 401k for retirement, stock purchase, ownership program, and even potential for an annual bonus. So text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. We brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. It's Hassle Cattle Company beef, so damn good that you can now get their Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef 
in our bar. So come on down for any watch party or even just a Tuesday evening if you want one of the best burgers in town, thanks to HassleCattleCompany.com. If you want a night inside and you want to just treat yourself right, then go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L-CattleCompany.com. And when you use code DNVR15, you get 15% off your entire purchase. Special, special discount going on right now. It's DNVR15 for 15% off your entire purchase. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard us talk about it for years, and now you can get 20% off with code DNVR plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Go tame that Wildcat offense using the best tools for the job at manscaped.com using code DNVR for free shipping and 20% off. Joining me today is the man, the myth, the legend over there. One of the, one half of the Smith Bros Golf Pros. Now, I don't know if that's been trademarked yet, but I think eventually when you get your branding together, the Smith Bros Golf Pros is the way you want to be. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him as Big Drive Spence. Spence Smith, what's going on, buddy? What's up, dude? Thanks for uh, having me on. It's it's nice to talk a little Rockies again. It's, it feels like it's been forever. It has been quite a while, and and for anyone that hasn't been keeping up on Spencer, he and his brother Mitchell have been doing an amazing job over there on TikTok with some funny videos that I think you guys just come up with them based on what happens in the clubhouse. Like, wow, that was a weird a little occurrence. Let's let's share that with everyone without showing some closed caption or closed uh, circuit television. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what happens. And it's always funny when people ask and people are like, this didn't happen. Like we don't, we're not, the people are creating the content for us. We're just, of course we exaggerated a little bit. You have to, in order to, to make it funnier, but um, all, everything that we do has been a direct occurrence of something that's happened at the golf course. So it's, that's, I think what makes it relatable, but also funny because of the way we do it and the names we use and the, the different little things we always think of, but yeah, it's all real. It's real shit. And let's get the, let's get the handle correct. What is it on, on TikTok? To follow so it's at, at big drive energy. So a lot of stuff you see from us. Anybody out there that's listening and wants to check us out is going to be moving over to Big Drive Energy here slowly. Um, that's going to be kind of our, our rebrand that we're going to do. So everything will be moving to that as we can, you know, scale it more nationally, essentially, instead of just being um, from Colorado. So that a lot of the stuff you'll see is Big Drive Energy. That's the podcast. And then that is the TikTok name. So very exciting. I, I got to know, like you said, this is Rocky's podcast and You've been on talking baseball with us before, and we'll unveil the results of the superstar fantasy draft that we took part in earlier this year. But the Rockies, are they exciting? They've spent $80 million already this offseason to bring back the names. You already know four players really just extend them. Diaz and Sensatella were already, already going to be around in 2022. Now they're going to be around a little bit longer is there a core here? Are you excited about the the moves that they've done so far up to this point in the offseason? Well, I am I am really excited about Senza. I think the thing that I didn't see, I mean, I, we all kind of saw it happening, but the thing that actually kind of finally happened, it's not for sure yet. You never know how these deals go, but I didn't I was hoping that Senza was just a first, not a because 
And it seems like it sends us now like they needed to lock him up because they knew John Gray was leaving, even though John Gray said he wanted to stay. Like I said, nothing, you know more than I do, but nothing's in stone. It kind of feels like he's leaving, but you never know. They could come back with a big deal for him. He sounds like he wanted to kind of stay here. So hopefully that happens. But now with the Senzatella signing, it's even that much more monument or important, I will say, to the Rockies team that for 2022 that they have Senza locked in if they're not going to have John Gray. And then uh, the Elise Diaz sign I love. Um, it gives them some um, – just like consistency at the catcher position, because I know Tony Walters kind of gave us that with much less of a bat than Diaz. And we all love Tony Walters. And um, I think going into last year, you know, we didn't really know what we were going to get between Dom Nunez and Elias Diaz, kind of like a, Hey, half and half. I just really hope that uh, between Bill Schmidt and Bud Black, that they decide to play Diaz more felt like Diaz didn't get to play enough uh, and he went on like extremely hot streaks, but with how he was playing towards, you know, I think it was like August and into September, maybe late July, early in August, that dude deserves to play every day other than maybe Sunday. <laughs> you know, he, it, it needs to be a Dom Nunez once a week type of scenario, because if you're paying, especially now that you're paying a guy this much, you know, we don't want to run him into the ground, but at the same time, you've got a clear number one here and that you don't want to have to sit him. I think it was, it felt like every, it was basically playing every other game. And I'd like to see that be more like five a week, six a week, something like of that nature, you know, without running him into the ground, the Rockies know more than I do about how much he can hold up and whether or not, but I think if you pay a catcher and you want to, you want some consistency with your pitchers, some consistency behind the plate, you, you got to just stick with the guy that was good. And Diaz was really good. I think. And he was banged up too for, for much of the season. Nunez talked about just, just looking over in the locker room and, and seeing how beat up that Elias Diaz was for, for so much of the season. And yet he kept going out there and playing and, and Nunez learned a lot from that. So I think if, you know, he doesn't have those, those little hiccups, those foul balls right off the mask, that kind of dinya or you know, just the general injuries that that catchers can have and the wear and tear, then maybe you do see him four out of every five days catching four of the five guys in the rotation versus three out of every five, which is incredibly common. There's only a few that can can do it four out of every five days, like a uh, Yadier Molina, Salvador Perez. But you're right; they want him in the lineup, you know, a lot more frequently because that bat was, you know, essentially one of the best we've ever seen in a single season for a Rockies player with those 18 home runs, really only surpassed by William Rosario, who did it twice, over 20 uh, home runs in the purple pinstripes, and Charles Johnson did it once. So really historic numbers out of the backstop position. But what you started off with is an interesting thing to throw out there, and I think it makes sense is for a lot of Rockies fans, they kind of have to question some of the moves based on the public relation decisions is the extension to Antonio Senzatella. Now he's a guy that, shoot, for it's been at least two years we've been discussing, lock him up because he's going to be a free agent before you know it. Once he gets to, you know, definitely a year away from free agency, but maybe even two years away from free agency, you can really start to taste the free agent bucks that are going to be out there for you from other teams. So you have to lock them up early. Same thing with Kyle Freeland. At this point, maybe it's too late. Tapia, Ryan McMahon, it might be too late. Those guys might really feel free agency. And so Senzatella deserves this deal, but how much of that is, 
you know what? Let's sign this guy nice and early because we know things are going to fall apart with John Gray. And at least we'll be able to fall back on that. And so that's that's a fair thing to be curious about. Yeah. And that, you know, their rotation was, I think, numbers wise, you'll probably have this, but maybe the best it ever was, ever has been in Rockies history last year. And so it, it sucks when you have, you know, we'll call the Rockies what they are. They're not the worst team in the MLB, not even close, um, like a lot of people thought they would be. And they're not a playoff team, obviously. So they're kind of mediocre, middle of the road team. Um, but when you have that good of a rotation and just a mediocre, middle of the road team, I feel like it's really, a, a, you should really make a point. And, and like you said, you know, who knows if Gray's actually gone or they got their eyes on someone else. But you really got to make it a point to keep that part of the team together. You know, you can't have only the great teams can afford their teams to fall apart and and somehow get better or stay as good as they are. But the Rockies have a lot of more. They got to win 10 to 15 more games next year um, in order to put themselves in a wild card or even a division championship spot. You know, that's kind of far fetched. But if they want to do it, they have to be able to pitch. And when you got the best you've ever gotten, you know, granted, we missed a lot of games from Gomber, which if all those five would have been healthy all year, I would have loved to see the win total probably up five or six more, maybe. Um, but really want to keep that part of the rotation together and then, you know, bolster the bullpen, find other position players that you need. Um, I just hope it doesn't, you know, we will never we won't know until it happens, but I really hope that rotation doesn't fall apart too much. The rotation is definitely the strong suit of the club. So you think, OK. Let's let's keep it status quo. Bringing back Gray obviously is going to be a big piece. But that being said, is there enough on the offensive side where they can compete? Do you do you think okay, that they need to maybe even two more big bats? Because like you said, all right, you add five more to the to the win total if the entire staff is is healthier. That also means Kyle Freeland doesn't miss essentially the first two months of the season. Gomber doesn't miss the final month. So you say, all right, maybe they would have won 79 wins. You got to get at least close to 90. So that's going to be two five war players, and you're already losing Trevor Story. Do you feel like there's a core here that can do it, even if you have to add two more big bats in free agency? Yeah, well, I think a lot of that comes down to I, I, I can never take the purple glasses off, so I'll, I'll start with that. I really do think uh, CJ Crone obviously was phenomenal. So that's your first base is locked down. Elias Diaz, the catcher, great, great offensive player. Ryan McMahon is a good enough hitter. Can he take another step? Yes. Is he great defensively? Yes. Would we like to see him play the same position every day? Yes. So if you lock him down at third base, your corner infield and your catcher are pretty solid. Now, what happens at shortstop? will remain to be seen. I'm sure you've got your eyes on some prospects. There may be a guy that they can fill in, um, but it's going to be hard to replace Story once he finally signs somewhere else. Obviously, he's the best player on the team right now, arguably. Um, at second base, you know, that that could be filled by Brendan Rodgers. We saw him play a lot better, and maybe now that I think about it, Brendan Rodgers slides over to his natural position at short. I feel like he's good enough offensively. I think he hit close to 270, 280 this year, if I'm just off the top of my head. Uh, and really had that resurgence that we had all hoped when we drafted him as high as we did. Uh, so I really, I think offensively they're, they're okay. Um, I'd like to see them out of bat in the outfield and a big, big part of this offensively for the Rockies in general and every NL team is what do they do with the DH? Because if we get a DH and we get to have a ninth hitter at Coors field for 81 games a year, 
they could really look to add someone that's just a nasty bat. Doesn't matter how fat they are, how slow they are, just hit it over the wall and, you know, hit 20 bombs, basically a CJ Crone, but not as, you know, he's not great defensively, but he's not a liability either. Um, basically you find one of those guys that can re, you know, revive their career in Colorado, just being a DH. And I think you've got an okay offense, but I would like to see them add a bigger bat and maybe center field or at second base, depending upon if Rogers moves. I love Garrett Hampson always have uh, great at stealing bases, but he just seems like the, he just seems like a utility backup player that ended up having to start because of where the Rockies were. Sounds like I'm hearing Blake street bombers 2.0, which I, I think we're all here for that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, I'll, I'll take, because even if the, the thing that, you know, the pitching is not going to create a lot of these games, but if the Rockies are mediocre again next year, but they have a few players hitting a ton of bombs and they have a fun offense, not necessarily going to translate to wins. You know, you hope it does with the rotation being good and hopefully they find a few bullpen arms, but I guarantee you a lot of people will get back into it. If they're dropping 10, 11 runs at Coors field, people want to go and not that they have an attendance problem. They don't, but just the overall view of the organization turns into a little bit more like, Oh, they're fun. Not just, Oh, we hate them because they never keep their star players and they gave away Nolan, which no one will ever forget. And now Trevor's gone. They start scoring runs. Not you can't replace those guys win wise, but you can replace them in a fan perspective and a fun fun team wise. You know, I used to I've always watched the Rockies, but when they were who you know their bullpen would come in, give up four or five in the fifth and sixth, but then they'd score four or five more in the seventh and eighth. That was a fun time, you know. And winning is the most fun of all. We get that, but we also have to realize where they are and what their expectations are. And winning definitely fixes everything. So we'll. Keep an eye on it, of course, as always, what they, they do this offseason. If we get one, we'll have to talk about the fact that there may not be an offseason. What does that exactly mean here in just a second? But I, I do want to know, because you're a guy who likes to have a good time. You're, you're the life of the party in many ways. What What is a typical tailgate or what is a typical pregame experience like for you if you're going out to course field? Because you go to a lot of games, Broncos, Nuggets, Abs, all that. Yeah. What is it? What is it typically like for you when you're going out to Coors Field for a night, day game, whatever it is? What What does that typically look like for Spencer Smith? So Coors Field, um, I always want my favorite spot is um, Swanky's over on Blake Street. Uh, it's one of my favorite bars. They have like these phenomenal like slushies and I usually get pretty, uh, pretty toasted on those. And I, I do like to get into the game early, like not super early, like, but I, I don't, I like to be, have a drink, get a drink at the bar, uh, go up to the rooftop usually before the game. Cause they usually have like dollar beers, crush a couple of those and then find my seat, um, by, by the first pitch. Like, I don't like to be messing around after, after the first pitch is over, you know, that's, that goes with any sport, like kickoff, tip off, you know, puck drop, whatever it may be that I'm at. I like to be in my seat and ready to rock. Like I don't, I don't like to be rushing in there waiting in line. You know, you're trying to watch the game on all the TVs. Like baseball is a little less um, imperative that you're there right on time. You know, that first batter, usually there's not much going on uh, unless Charlie, well, it's at home. Charlie Blackman's not hitting first, first he's, you know, first at the bottom of the first, but um, and I'm not a big, when I go to Cooper's field, a lot of people love the rooftop. I'm not a big rooftop guy during the game. 
um, because I can't stand not watching the game. Like people like to go there and just have a good time. And that's good for the Rockies. That's, you know, people they're making money. Coors Field's probably the best place to be on a summer night in the entire state of Colorado. But I hate when I like my friend just like want to go to the rooftop and sit there and or stand there, if you will. I'm like, okay, I'll do that, but I'm going to be on the edge on the bar watching the game. Like, I'm not going to just sit and bullshit with my back to the, to the field. Like I can't do it. I have to, if I'm there, I have to watch the game. So usually I like to go to Swanky's, get a few drinks, get some food or uh, Jackson's is a good spot that I usually go to and then walk right over. Cause you're right there. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much like you where it, you want it to be an immersive experience and you want to get a taste of everything. So like you said, you're up at rooftops a little bit before the game, but when the game starts, you want to be there. And, you know, if you're hanging out, I've, I've hung out at the rooftop and I'm not really watching the game because I'm there to, to hang out, but 99.9% of the time I'm at the game to watch the game. So you don't want to be looking down. Yeah. Sometimes you got seats in the upper deck and you got, you got to do that. You've have those moments, but you really want to feel like, you are stationary and the game is what's moving, not you and your body and people bumping into you and all that. So really, if, if you want that experience, yeah, you, you got to make sure you're, you're timing it just right. You're not waiting in line. You've got what you need. Do you ever get there early enough for batting practice? I, I used to love getting there for BP, maybe try to catch a home run ball for the visiting team. See if I can get a, a ball tossed up to me. I, I don't go full Zach Ample. But that that's sometimes a, a special thing to do, especially if uh, if I'm out of town somewhere or at a visiting ballpark to get the full experience. Yeah, I actually have uh, the the one game I ever went to batting practice, believe it or not, and I think it was only because it was a late batting practice was in 2007, the play in game against the San Diego Padres. I went to that game. Um, and I got to see Padres take BP and I've never, I'd never seen it before. And I haven't seen it since. And I, every game I tell myself, Hey, get there early. Like it'd be fun to watch batting practice. And then it just seems to never happen. Usually every game I go to in general, I'm kind of rushing out of work and getting there right as the game starts. Um, but it, it was fun to watch and especially certain players, like, you know, when the Shohei Otani's come in, the Juan Soto's like, it's fun to watch them just hit balls into the rooftop in you know up into the center field area where the fountains are all that kind of stuff like I do really enjoy watching batting practice um, but I, I haven't caught it as much as I always say I'm going to that that's your make a wish is someone covers your shift early enough you get there when the gate gates open up and you can watch Justin Turner Max Muncie whoever it is see if you can get a ball signed we're gonna try to make that happen for you here at some point Spence I like that. So give me the deets on how early do the gates open at like a 640 pitch? I know at one point it used to be two hours. I think they've they've tightened it up to an hour and a half. But at okay. one point it, it would be a good two hours. I know season ticket holders, I think, get in a little bit earlier and they're able to be on the concourse out in the outfield before they open up, you know, the seats a little bit closer because again, now you're within shouting distance of the players on the infield. So it's, it's all, all part of that experience. And yeah, it's, it's great. I I've been wanting to try to do some kind of live content or, or at least record, you know, a segment of the podcast as an excuse out in left field during batting practice, you know, bring my mitt and uh, dodge home run balls as they come, you know, flying over our head and say, Oh, well, this is all for the content. We're just recording a podcast. We just happen to be out in left field and happen to be wearing baseball mitts and we're catching a couple balls 
look, anytime you have an opportunity to do something like that, you got to shoot your shot, right? Yeah, exactly. So I definitely need to get to next season. That's, that's my goal. Get there for a batting practice. And you got to get to the DNVR bar in the corner of Colfax and York. We've got watch parties happening all the time, almost every day of the week for Avalanche and Nuggets. We've got the sound on for an incredibly immersive experience. And you know what? Even when there isn't a game, it's a great spot to hang out at. Happy hour every day from 3 to 6 p.m. with drink specials, appetizer discounts. Can't go wrong on the corner of Colfax, New York. Members, you know that you get a larger beer. Can't beat that. We've got our members only discord right now. You know, we've got questions going out to, to everybody on the beat. When we record a TDSP, uh, we just did a, a mailbag last week with you getting to ask everyone your favorite DNVR personalities, questions about all kinds of topics. You can only do that with a membership. You can test this out for your first month at only 50 cents. And if you want an annual membership, you know that you get a free shirt from DNVR locker com. Also, members, right now, if you buy a piece of swag at the bar, guess what? You also get a free Breck brew at the bar on the house from us at the DNVR.com. And yeah, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR, but did you know they're also our official seltzer? Yeah, you, you probably know that already as well. It's good company, hard seltzer. It's delicious. It's available at the DNVR bar, and we've always got it in stock, and you're always going to want to keep it in stock with their 15-can sampler at King Supers. Costco, Spence. What is your go-to with the can with the sampler? Do you have one or two that jump out as you as your favorite flavors from the seltzers? Yeah. So the seltzers, I really like uh, the apple pear. I'm a mm. big pear guy, and I and it's kind of funny because I'm not into like sours. Like I don't like sour beers. I don't like the bitterness, the tartness of it. But the apple pear is my favorite seltzer because the seltzers in general are always kind of dull anyways like they're a seltzer they're not like some of them are super sweet but they kind of just have like a, a very small taste but the apple pear is definitely my favorite seltzer and then when i go into the beers definitely the strawberry sky is my is my favorite i'm not too big of an ipa guy i like the taste of them but i'm not like they're super heavy for me so when i drink a strawberry sky i can down like three or four of those and and then I have to go buy another 15 can sampler because there's I'm out of the strawberry skies, but there's a lot of good ones. The mountain beach is sometimes in there. That's a good one. Uh, I'm not too much of a, like I said, an IPA heavy beer kind of guy. I'm more into the fruity, but not sour, but like the fruity, easy drinking ones. That's a, that's a good endorsement right there for Breckenridge breweries, good company, hard seltzer and easy choice for a great company. And speaking of that, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has an offer every football fan should jump in on. New customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score, and when they do, you win $100 in free bets. It's that easy and rewarding. DraftKings customers can get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash Whenever you want, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR, and new customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score, and if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. My DraftKings Sportsbook 
pick of the week is going to be a Thanksgiving Day special. I'm going to take, take the biggest long shot on the day because it's the holiday season. It's the time for miracles to happen. So why not go with the headed the wrong direction, Las Vegas Raiders at plus 250 against the Dallas Cowboys who, hey, that's the Broncos can beat the Cowboys. Maybe the Raiders can beat the Cowboys also in Dallas. So, you know what? Going with the long shot. Maybe you don't put a big money on this one. Just have a little bit of fun while you're having your your turkey and your Hassle Cattle Company beef and bacon, whatever it is. But my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week, the Raiders on Thanksgiving Day over the boys. You love that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, just because of the odds. Sometimes you got to go with that. Thanksgiving football always does some wacky stuff. So why can't the Raiders beat the Cowboys? Why can't? Why not? Exactly. You're, you're, you'll look like a genius if you hit that one. If you don't, people will go, oh, you only threw a couple bucks on it. So that's all right. Exactly. You can't lose on that one. And, and can't lose when, you, when you've got the team that Spence was able to put together for our superstar fantasy draft. We did it at the beginning of the season. When it's the time is ripe to make all kinds of predictions. I felt pretty good with my postseason predictions. I think I hit on seven of the 10 postseason teams. Should have had eight, should have had Milwaukee winning the Central, but I had all the clubs over there in the American League, uh, except Boston. Felt really good about that. So I did well on those predictions. But in our superstar fantasy draft, we basically were targeting hitters. Every home run you hit is worth a point, every win a pitcher gets is worth three because we know that's incredibly hard to get a win nowadays in fact we had two Cy Young award winners I think that combined for something like 22 wins so they each of them you know had about 11 wins a piece so 33 a lot of guys hit more than 33 home runs this year and my club did not do so hot I had two injuries Mike Trout was a big one he only hit eight home runs missed the majority of the season Christian Yelich banged up but ultimately just had a really down year, only hit nine homers. Max Scherzer did well with 15 wins. Manny Machado, he was my fourth pick, did all right, 28 homers. That's that's okay, I'll take that for right now. And then a player that uh, whose name I will not mention, he was not suspended because he uh, missed some time due to substance abuse or uh, performance-enhancing drugs. No, it was something much worse than that. But he had eight wins, and so my total points was 115. Michaela did much better than that. She had Tatis Jr., Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, big points there, and then two pitchers that got hurt, Shane Bieber and Tyler Glass now. Our buddy Drew Creaseman, he did pretty well, 146 points. Got to give him a shout-out. Jacob deGrom, disappointed, can't stay healthy. Can't stay healthy. That's kind of a problem. Arenado, Stanton, Bichette, all those guys did really well. Jack Flaherty also got injured. So injuries were a key component to that. Drew had 146 points, whereas you, my friend Spencer, had 144 points thanks to 16 wins by Garrett Cole, second place runner-up in the American League Cy Young Award. Ronald Acuna Jr. had his season cut short, but still managed to hit 24 home runs. Walker Bueller, 16 wins. And Trevor Story had 24 home runs. And yes, those 144 points were split amongst those four players. And when I tell you that this man right here 
had a fifth player. You get five in the Superstar Fantasy Draft. Spencer had a Mr. Shohei Otani, who nearly outscored my entire team alone, hit 46 home runs, had nine wins as a pitcher, 73 total points. The winner of the Superstar Fantasy Draft, Mr. Spencer Smith, with 217 points. Congratulations. Yeah, buddy. Congratulations. I feel really good about that. I, I knew that pick was just a, I didn't think he'd be that player, but I figured if he got a few wins and hit a few bombs, I didn't know he'd be leading the, the American league and the MLB and home runs for quite a good portion of the season. And uh, I, I'm going to chalk that one up to luck. You know, I was like trying to find a loophole and that loophole kind of worked for me. Uh, so he, he was doing it on both sides of the diamond and truly a player that we've never seen before, maybe since like Babe Ruth, which none of us were around for. There, there wasn't even TV cameras for most of that, um, or cameras in general, but just a, a truly special player. And, you know, the thing that's crazy to me is just in baseball in general and why this sport is so different is uh, everybody that got nominated for awards, I believe the, M- the top five in both MVP awards, none of those players played in the playoffs. And it's crazy to me, like, even going back, and I had kind of had a question for you on the Cy Young thing. Like, do you think this is just a a one-off year, or do you think it's a movement to where, like, you you couldn't, and that's how I know baseball's changing or something's changing, because five years ago, you know, I, I still pay attention to everything else other than Rockies and baseball. Rockies are obviously my number one. But, like, thinking of a pitcher winning 11 games and winning a Cy Young was the most unreal thing I would have ever heard. It would because we used to have you know Scherzer was winning twenty a year, Verlander was winning twenty a year, guys like that, and that was like okay, another guy won twenty one, but he also you know like do you think that's just a thing now like that you won't see twenty game winners much in the MLB anymore? No, you won't. Julio Urias he barely got any notoriety, got a couple I think fifth place votes, and he was the only twenty game winner in the National League. You know, going back to twenty ten. Felix Hernandez only won 13 games, which now is like, hey, that's pretty good. But at that time, over a decade ago, that was one of the biggest questions. Would voters, you know, select him as the best pitcher in the American League? He had a 2.27 ERA. Uh, He led the league in in starts and innings pitched, was, was close in strikeouts. And so he was hands down the best pitcher, but he didn't get the wins. But winning a baseball game for a pitcher, starter, reliever, or otherwise, is situational it's like rbi if nobody gets on base in front of you 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 can't be uh it can't be used against you if your numbers are low in that capacity if every time you got up to the plate you hit a double right and you had a you had literally a thousand batting average but you were the leadoff hitter and the eight and nine hitter if you're in an nl club the pitcher is hitting in front of you and the number eight hitters batting 150 you're not going to have very many RBI, even though you had a historic season where you got a double every single at that. So RBI and wins, they're just statistics of uh, kind of a, a bygone era in, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, we don't really, we don't really use that quite as much anymore. You know, you also have to have thrown at least five innings to get that consideration. And obviously, you know, having pitched four innings is not, you know, a, a lot, but there's just certain circumstances for deciding whether or not a pitcher did his job and the win-loss record ultimately doesn't do that anymore. 
It, it, it really does. I think that's why statistics like quality start exist because that's just saying, all right, you threw at least six innings and you gave up three earned runs or less. So that's just another metric of like, all right, well, that means on average, you would have like a 4.5 ERA or better. And so that you, you kept your team in the game. And there, there have been performances, like if you look at Jacob deGrom, where he just went out and, and won the game or, or gave up one run and was tacked with a loss because his team just couldn't score a run. And if we're looking at losses to define whether a pitcher is good or not, it's not fair because his team was the one that wasn't good. He was very good. You throw eight innings, and you only give up one run. That's fantastic. But a loss suggests that you weren't very good. So it can be very contradictory. So um, that, you know, that, that's, that's a good question. It's just, it's just one of those things that, you know, isn't a big deal anymore as, as crazy as it seems. It's, it's just not that important. Similar to batting average is not that important anymore because, uh, you know, studies have shown that if you have more hits or you have a better batting average than the opposing team, you are going to win something like 55% of ball games. I don't know what the numbers are exactly, right? The goal is to, to beat the other team, to score more runs. And if you, obviously, if you have more runs, you win 100% of the time. So, okay, we, we can't really look at that. What if you have the best batting average in a game? The team with the better batting average wins, I think, somewhere around the 50, 55% mark. The team that has the higher on-base percentage wins about 60 to 65% of the time. So now on-base percentage is actually more important than batting average. And the team with the higher slugging percentage in a singular game might win, again, 65%. But the team that has the highest OPS on base plus slugging percentage wins closer to about 75% of the game. So that's one of the reasons why teams are more focused on extra base hits and power, because that translates to slugging. That quantifies the quality of the hit, not just if you got a hit, but the quality of it, how many bases. And then on base percentage, which is did you make an out or not? Because there's no clock in baseball. But there is there is certain a certain constraint. It's 27 outs. So you only have 27 of them. If you cannot make an out at the plate, well, then you have a lot of value. So that's one of the reasons why even batting average is something that's not a not a huge statistic anymore. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's just I think I'm so old school with baseball still. I can't get into all the numbers. Like to me, that's that was one of my biggest arguments for Nolan and it it falls on deaf ears at this point but he was always driving in like the most runs in the NL I'm like how do you win baseball games you score more runs than the other team and he's the one driving them in and you know you have to take into account what your team does in front of you I get that I was just like oh I always use like it's so it's so archaic and I know it is but I'm like you know Josh Fogg got a win in an important game and he wasn't a great pitcher, but as long as he allowed four runs, if we scored five, it was fine. And so I'm still like in, in that archaic rut of like, I don't give a credit, like Jacob deGrom, if he allows one, this is the, this is going to sound like such a dick thing to say, but if his team doesn't score a run in eight innings, I'm sorry, you got to allow zero in order to be a winning pitcher. So I know wins aren't everything, but I still hold on to the archaic mind of like, drive in as many runs as you can and win as many games as you can. Obviously that's how you become the best team, but um, I haven't quite caught up to the, all the numbers in baseball and, and analytics yet. They're dizzying. They can, they can be dizzying. I mean, even to me, I got to stay up on it, but 
it can be a lot, you know, to, to memorize everything that you've known or you've, you've thought has been true throughout, you know, your, your time as a fan. And all of a sudden it, and it's not all of a sudden, but it, it takes time for those things to be adopted. And now you have to almost learn a, a whole new language. So being an old school guy, you know, what are your thoughts on some of the new rules that are getting kicked around in, in major league baseball with the runner on second base and extra innings, uh, the potential for a, a, a clock, uh, in, you know, in between pitches, uh, in major league games, is this, does this feel like it's changing the game too much for a guy who might consider himself old school like yourself? Yeah. Um, so in that regard, I'm, I feel like I'm actually fairly new school. Um, I, um, I'd, I'd rather see uh, the clock. I don't care about it. I don't care about time. I don't think it needs to be sped up. Like there are certain times where guys are taking too long and I don't, I guess maybe you have to put a clock on them and an arbitrary number on it, but that doesn't bother me too much. Um, some of the stepping off, I'm, it's annoying in the moment, but I'm like, hey, this is baseball, whatever. Uh, the universal DH I am very in on. I just, I'm in on it, To me, it seems archaic that two different leagues in the same association play two different ways that to me that's insane um managers go different way have to do totally different things like this guy's a great al manager he's not a good nl manager you know things like that i i think that's archaic oh they're playing in the home stadium so they play this team's rules like baseball's already different enough every stadium's different which that's one of the cool parts about baseball you don't go to the you know every stadium has different little quirks and center fields further shorter right fields further shorter i don't think that teams need to play a different way like and pitchers pitchers pitch they you know other than Shohei otani which you want to toss your pitcher in the lineup like hey i mean herman marquez is probably better than some of the rockies hitters that they might toss out on a given night but overall like use up more players in the roster let let other players hit um let the pitchers just worry about because especially too with like I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I got to imagine there's certain pitchers that get hurt at the plate and then, or running to first base when, and well, there's no need for that. Like they're a pitcher, you know, you don't, a quarterback in football doesn't run a route like a receiver unless it's a trick play, but that's not their job. You know, you don't expect an offensive lineman to catch a pass and score. So I really do think the, I think the product of baseball would be a little bit better, especially in the national national league if it was, you know, a universal DH, I, I do think that's a good move. The clock thing to me, eh, like baseball's baseball. It takes a long time. And the runner on second basing, I actually love. Like, I, you know, if if they're, they, they want to speed up the game, that's one way to do it in my personal opinion. And plus it makes it way more fun and it puts more strategy into the game than, oh my God, we're down to our third catcher and we're letting our pitcher pinch hit like, like yo toss that guy out there on second get some runs going get this game over um and it brings a whole new strategy into it so i do love the runner on second base the clock i'm out on and then uh universal dh i'm i'm fully in on yeah the game has to be true i feel for fans in the ballpark and i think it's it's more important that the game is over in a reasonable amount of time so you can see the entirety of the game than it is to say no the 10th, 11th, 12th, all of those innings have to be identical to the first nine. We know other sports alter things uh, once once regulation time is over. But I think it should be very important for fans to be able to see the end of the game and so that it's not a, 
a 14 inning contest or a game that lasts more than four hours because you know they got work the next day and whatever it is and so when you go to to a, a game whatever whatever sport it may be you want to see the whole thing you want to be able to see it from start to finish unless it's a blowout and then you want to leave early but we'll talk about that for another day but you want you want to see the entirety of it for it to be finished and so no i i think that makes sense that and 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 that's that's perfectly fine to be able to to be old school in some ways, to be new school in other ways. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred made a statement that puzzles me. I don't know if it'll puzzle you, but he said the other day um, at the uh, owners' meetings, so that we had the GM meetings uh, two weeks ago. This past week, we had the owners' meetings. We're hoping to have the winter meetings on the second week of December. I don't know if that'll happen, but it's – he said this, quote, I can't believe there's a single fan in the world who doesn't understand that an off-season lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. So my question to you is, when you hear, or if you hear, in December, on December 2nd, when you wake up, that there's a work stoppage in Major League Baseball between the owners and between the players, are you feeling great about that? Are you feeling neutral? Or are you a little upset that these two parties can't figure out how to split up $11 billion in revenue? No, that, that upsets me. Just hearing about work stoppage in general, it's, it's not, a good, not a good term because it means that you're so far away that you knew you had a deadline, you worked towards it or, or didn't, you know, which is even more concerning, didn't care to work towards it, and then didn't get a deal done and didn't get, you know, like th this stuff – like the, the world series has been over for a good month now, month and a half. Like that's what you got to focus on. Just get, get it done, figure it out and get, get us back to baseball because it, it does worry me. I, I, I'm not like, I can't just shrug that off. Like that's, that's pretty big news. And um, for a sport that's been around as long as it has, I know there's times change and a lot of things change, but you ultimately you got to put, put a product on the field and, and starting in, Late February, early March, catchers are gonna catchers and pitchers are gonna be there, and then full teams are gonna be down in Arizona or Florida. So, uh, yeah, that does worry me, and it bother kind of bothers me. One of the most exciting times in baseball is the trade deadline because you're hearing rumors going around, and even if nothing comes to fruition, and you might be disappointed that certain trades weren't made, you are still excited. You're still titillated by the rumors of oh, this guy could go here. That would be crazy. Just, just that speculation is exciting. And baseball is called the hot stove season for a reason because in the wintertime is when you get to dream and you can be a fantasy owner essentially with, with your club and say, oh, well, what if the Rockies made this trade and acquired this guy? And, and again, even if we're just talking reasonable trades, even if it's not like, well, I don't know, would the Dodgers trade Mookie Betts to the Rockies? Well, of course not. We know there's a 0% chance of that happening. But there's still other moves and transactions that can be made in December and January to keep you warm through those cold winter months. And if there's a work stoppage, you don't have that. Every day when people want to know what's going on in, in Major League Baseball and what's the news from their club or what's the news in their division, or what are the Giants doing? What about the Dodgers and Padres? What are they up to? There's going to be no news. There's just going to be talk of well, the players want this and the owners want that. Well, the owners don't want this, but the players don't want that. That's not how the sport should be discussed. We shouldn't be talking about the business side of, of things. And so if fans get upset at a work stoppage 
they they have all the right to. I don't I don't think I don't think most fans really you know need to know, and they shouldn't have to know what goes on behind the scenes with business and, and well, what is exactly arbitration. Rockies fans, do you know what arbitration is? Can you detail all of these things? I don't really think that's terribly important. I think it's a nice thing to know what's what's going on behind the scenes a little bit, but to to know what's going on with a collective bargaining agreement and to really almost call out fans for that. I think I think that's a major misstep by by the commissioner. I'm I'm sure you've got some thoughts on on uh, Mr. Manfred as well. Yeah, you just being, you know, I run a business as well. And like, that's just like calling out everybody that comes in, which ironically, we kind of do um, in a in a certain funny way with our TikToks. But it's it's just like basically telling every person that comes in that they're, you know, they shouldn't, you know, they're, they're an idiot or whatever, or just like you, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. And the MLB is, yeah, there's TV deals, but there's only reason there's TV deals is because people want to watch. The only reason there's stadiums full is because people want to go and they want to pay money. So um, I think it's getting into a little bit of a point with owners, you know, players, stuff like that, that they have to realize like the MLB players make so much money because there's so much money in the MLB and there's so much money in the MLB because there's such a big fan base and there's so many people that want to pay to go and pay to watch that you can't cut that part of the, the equation out. And just like in when, you know, COVID happened and yeah, there was TV deals still because there were, there were games on TV, but you couldn't go to them. You know, I lived a block away from Coors Field that whole summer and didn't go to, couldn't go to a single game. Um, you know, they, they, I feel like they should have realized in that moment, wow, our fans and, and the people that support us are as important as, as anything because they're paying the bills you know somebody pays your bills you keep them happy you figure out a way to keep them involved and keep them engaged and we want to be engaged with you guys so make sure you are following all of us at big drive spence on twitter i'm at big i'm at i'm not at big anything I am <laughs> i'm at i'm at big pat lions no at patrick d lions on twitter and our account at dnvr underscore rockies also don't check out their tiktok ca- channel as well Big Drive Energy, they're doing some big things over there. Funny things as well. Love what they're doing. Make sure you're, you're doing that. Make sure you're reaching out to us on the members-only Discord. And if you've got questions or comments to leave on the podcast or any of the articles on the dnvr.com, please reach out. Let us know how you feel right now about the offseason. So for Spencer Smith, I'm Patrick Lyons. Thank you for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans, especially our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. So schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Green Mountain Dental Group, only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, but a million miles better than the rest.